Good evening. Uh, Jamie said, but my name's Emily. I'm an intern pastor here at New Philadelphia Church. Uh, welcome to Friday Fire, if it's your first time here. And it's actually my first time preaching since I've been back on from the mission field. So it's been uh, quite a while now, so it's exciting to be back up here. Uh, I'm going to take the opportunity then to preach tonight actually from a revelation that I received on the field. It was our last night that I received this revelation, and I've been excited to preach it. Uh, actually, no, I wasn't. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it was just in my journal, and uh, I think it's a very divine time to speak it tonight. All right? So before we get started, why don't you guys bow your heads in prayer with me? God, thank you for allowing us to meet here tonight for this Friday Fire prayer meeting. I pray, God, that uh, tonight, even as this word is being shared, it wouldn't be a halt, God, to the prayer movement that's already taking place right now, but it would just be an extension of it, God. I pray that you would be in constant dialogue with all the saints here right now, God, even during this time, Lord. We thank you, God, for the powerful prayer movement that you're doing, not just here at New Philly, but in Korea. And so, God, uh, prepare the hearts, prepare the minds uh, to receive your word here tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to be speaking tonight from Mark 7, chapter 7, verses 31 to 37. I'm just going to read it for us when you guys get there. Starting from verse 31. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is one of my favorite passages because I have history with this passage. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, I've probably shared one testimony of me trying to reenact the way that Jesus <laughs> heals people through this passage. But I've done it quite a few times since I've been a Christian. <laughs> and sadly, no one's ever been healed through it. But um, anyways, why, why would I go through such extreme measures? You know, spitting on my finger. I've never actually touched the person's tongue. Okay, I've just stuck it in their ear. <laughs> but uh, why would I go through such extreme measures to do this? Because when the person came to me, they were sick and they were asking for healing. In the flesh, that seems like a very impossible situation, right? A desperate situation calls for desperate measures. 
this is all I knew. So this is what I did. Okay, that's why. <laughs> How many of you guys have been faced by a somewhat impossible task? You know, those tasks where when it comes at you, immediately in your mind you say, I can't do that. What normally happens for me is my immediate response is, <sighs> it's a sigh. <laughs> immediately it's a sigh. Actually, when Lisa, our missions director, came to me at a park when I was trying to have fun, and she told me, hey, you're going to be the team preacher for Team Jakarta, my first reaction was, <sighs> Right? That's my reaction. And on missions in Jakarta, okay, on our very last day, a, pa a pair of parents? No. Is that right? A pair of parents? <laughs> Some parents brought, <laughs> brought their child up to the altar who was mute. Okay, it was my first time seeing such a young child that was mute. Immediately, it was a very impossible situation in my mind. Why? Three things popped up into my head. Okay. One, my heart was full of compassion. I saw the situation and I just wanted to cry. Okay. Two, they were coming to me for healing. That means when I lay hands on them, they should be healed. But I'm just human. Of course, like through God, I can, but what if it doesn't, right? And then three, he's mute. Does that mean I have to spit on my finger again and try to stick it in his ears and touch his tongue? And I was like, God, why again? You know, I've been embarrassed enough. This child's so young. I want to spare them embarrassment. I didn't do that. But what happened was we prayed and the child wasn't healed. Okay. And so in my distress, I sighed, and I asked God, why is this happening? Why wasn't that child healed? And uh, immediately in my distress, I just turned to this passage, because this is the only passage that I knew. And I read verse 34, and it says, And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, if I thought that is be opened, Jesus sighed and immediately I was encouraged. I was like, wow, God, you sighed too. <laughs> and so tonight we're going to actually be talking a little bit about sighing. Okay. So one, two, three, let me hear your best sigh. Okay. One, two, three. <sighs> okay. Get that out of your system. No sighing for the rest of the night. Okay. Now, I sigh a lot. <laughs> I told you guys, I think, in a previous sermon, and John is vouching for it for some reason. Uh, I sigh a lot, and I don't know if you guys sigh a lot, but I sigh a lot normally because of worry, okay? Anxiety, setbacks, letdowns, when people piss me off, uh, I sigh. <laughs> I was looking straight at David on. <laughs> <laughs> I 
the size have kind of evolved into something that is mm, purposeful. It's become such a regular part of our language that's become purposeful that some people sigh to express purposely that they're frustrated or hopeless or relieved. But the definition of a sigh is actually an involuntary exhale. Okay, an involuntary exhale that's greater than normal. Okay, it's involuntary. That's key. So I've learned that this year. Some of my classmates are here. But if you're in my class, you would know that I've been learning that sighs are involuntary. Because I'm sitting in class and I'm an introvert, okay? So in my mind, things are crazy all the time. And while I'm sitting in class... What's going on in my mind is I have so much to do. I don't understand this lecture. I have so much to do. Why am I sitting here wasting my time? Oh, great. No, now the presentation's going on. Oh, my gosh, this presentation is terrible. Oh, my gosh, this PowerPoint is... I used to be a PowerPoint champion, by the way. <laughs> I bet you guys didn't know there were competitions, but there are, and I won. Anyways, in my mind, when I see yellow font on a white background, I'm thinking, crazy, why would you ever do that? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, wow, it's still going on. It's been 20 minutes. I'm supposed to present, yet the teacher's not telling them to stop. And so I'm not going to have time for my bomb PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> and then that's all in my head. Suddenly it goes, <sighs> and everyone in the class turns around and I go, <gasps> I'm sorry, keep listening. It happens often, <laughs> okay? Sighs are involuntary. Now, sighing is also a sign of respiratory problems, okay? <laughs> uh, normal breathing is regular and periodic, but sighing is a sign of abnormality. Okay. In fact, excessive or frequent sighing is considered a sign of panic disorder or even depression. So if any of you guys have ever been depressed before, you would know that you are constantly sighing. In fact, in between your words, there's so many sighs that you're actually gasping for air. No one ever experienced that. Okay. <laughs> it happened to me before when I was depressed. Anyways... All this to say is that sighing is normally accompanied with something negative. Okay, I'm sure there's exceptions that you can think of. I couldn't. The only thing I could think of was maybe a sigh of relief. But even a sigh of relief is normally too because of something that was negative, right? Sometimes. But point is, normally sighs are a reaction to something negative. Now, even in the Bible, okay, to sigh is used to express Human complaint, personal suffering or affliction, or deep distress in the spirit. Okay? The Theological Dictionary of the New Testament <laughs> says that this. It was actually a very good definition. Sighing takes place by reason of a condition of oppression under which man suffers and from which he longs to be free because it is not in accord with his nature, expectations, or hopes. Okay. So if negative, why do we sigh? 
If negative, why do we sigh? In my opinion, okay, this is my opinion, I think that we sigh because sighing is one of the most eloquent forms of body language. If you hear someone sigh, you can't ignore it, right? I'm very sensitive to sighs. Normally, if someone sighs, I look over at their face, and if it just looks like boredom, I'm like, okay. But if they're distressed, I normally go over there, put a hand on them, and say, hey, are you okay? And they're like, yeah, I'm fine. And then if they sigh again, I'm like, you're not fine. What's wrong? (laughs) Sigh is a very eloquent form of body language. In fact, it's such an eloquent form of body language that it's actually made its way into our language. Sometimes we get so lazy, we don't even sigh. We just say, sigh. (laughs) Even in our text messages, we need to use it. We do parentheses, sigh, parentheses, right? I know I sigh so much, I always have to use sigh. And in the beginning, I didn't know how to sound it out. So I used to write (sighs) U-G-H-H-H-H. Yeah, that's what people, they're like, what, what is that? (laughs) And so I changed it to what is commonly accepted, which is H-U-H, huh? But that sounds like, huh? Right? So I just write sigh now, okay? But I think that's why we still sigh so often, okay? Now, the greater question is, if negative, why does Jesus sigh? Okay, that's the bigger question. Why does Jesus sigh? And so we're actually going to be focusing on verses 33 to 35, but rather than reading it, I'm just going to sum it up for you. So these people, they take this deaf and mute man to Jesus, and Jesus takes him aside, okay, privately, and he takes his fingers, sticks it into the guy's ear, okay, spits on his finger, sticks it on his tongue. It doesn't actually say that, but trust me, I looked at the Greek, and according to the Greek, that's what it suggests, even though it doesn't say in the English. You can trust me on that, okay, or trust the books that I read. Um... (laughs) And then after that, he looked up to heaven, he sighed, and then he said, Ephatha, be opened. Okay, so that's kind of what we're focusing on. And I want to present to you guys today three observations that I've made that we can learn from Jesus on why he sighs. Okay? So the first observation that I made is, sighing called for Jesus to look to heaven. Okay. Jesus looked up before he sighed. Before Jesus sighed, he looked to heaven. In other words, he looked to the Father. Okay, if you guys remember the WWJD bracelets, right? I wasn't a Christian then yet, but I always wanted one. They look pretty cool. But really, what would Jesus do is what it said, right? But really, in reality, every time Jesus didn't know what to do, what did he do? He looked up to the Father. So really, what that bracelet should say is, W-W-T-F-D. <laughs> what would the Father do? Right? When Jesus felt weak, he looked to the Father for strength, power, and energy to face his challenges. So my question for you today is, are you looking up or are you looking down? 
Okay. Are you looking up at least saying, God, how can I do this in the face of an impossible, distressing situation? Or are you looking down saying, God, I can't do this? Okay, that's the question. And so my first point was, when before Jesus signs, he looks up. Okay, so a sign should be a reminder for us to look up. Right? Point number two. It's okay to sign. Jesus did. This is very comforting for me. I always thought there were big problems with me, especially when I read the stuff I gave you in the beginning. That was all from a secular source. I was like, oh my gosh, I think I have a diagnosed problem. But actually, Jesus sighed, therefore it's okay. Sighing showed Jesus was human. Okay. Sighing exemplifies emotion, and as human beings, we have emotions, and so did Jesus. Right? So if we're humans, then we're prone to sighing. So it's okay to sigh. Sometimes there's a stereotype of Christians where we need to be really happy all the time. We need to be smiling because we need to put on this show for people so they know that we're happy. It's good to be joyful, and we are a people of hope, but we're not always happy because we have emotions, right? And Jesus did also. Can you imagine? Jesus wasn't always happy. Okay, when he was on the cross, I don't think he was like when he was dying. When we pray for Korea, Okay, when we pray for North Korea, we don't pray, Lord, thank you for North Korea and what you're doing there. No, because God's emotions towards North Korea is one of sadness, even wrath, even anger. So when we pray, we pray, God, no, what's going on in North Korea needs to end. We're not smiling, right, when we're praying this. And so... It's okay to sigh, is my point. Okay, it's okay to not always be happy, but don't get me wrong, we are people of hope, and so we do have a joy within our suffering, right? Now, sighing also showed Jesus had God's compassion and sympathy. Uh, we also are people that can have God's compassion and sympathy. Uh, when Jesus sighs, it's a sign not of heartless pity, but it's a heartfelt, practical concern. Okay? God gives his emotions to his, not just Jesus, but he gives his emotions to us as well. Okay? His pathos, his, his emotions, he imparts to us, and because of that, our prayers are powerful, right? Because we carry the heart of God. I don't know if you guys have experienced it before, but I've experienced, you know, just a little bit of it, and it's not fun. Experiencing the, well, if, you know, it's good emotions, when people are going crazy, like all joyful and jumping, that's awesome. But when you experience just God's compassion for those who are hurting, it's so painful. It's like you can't, you don't want to sleep. I love eating. I don't want to eat. I just am all I want to do is explode. It's that serious. Sorry. I'm just explaining to you my experience. Uh, but it is very painful experiencing the emotions of God. And, but God gives it to us. And even 
my point here in saying this is that God doesn't give his emotions just to Jesus, but he gives it to us as well. We can see that in the prophets. Okay, I'm reading this book called The Prophets. And for Jeremiah, there was in him a deep feeling for both divine and human pathos. And thus he was pained by injustice and human suffering. He was a person overwhelmed by sympathy for God and sympathy for man. Okay. We experience God's emotions. It's normal to feel overwhelmed when you feel these emotions. Why? Because God gives us this task, but we're not meant to face it ourselves. We're supposed to look to God for help. If we try to handle it ourselves, what happens? We feel overwhelmed, and it ends in what? (sighs) A sigh. Or even worse, whatever comes after that. Again, my second point is it's okay to sigh. It's okay to sigh, but if I were to ask you, what is your posture? What is the posture of your sigh? Is it a sigh of defeat or is it a sigh that calls to God? Okay. Some of you may be like, of course, I'm Christian. I always look to God. But if I were to ask God, he may disagree. Because we as Christians, we know so well that we are supposed to look to God that we never do. It's often our last resort, isn't it? Especially when we feel overwhelmed, stressed, or anxious, okay? Looking to God is normally something that we do last. Not always, I'm not saying everyone. But in certain situations, for example, if you're sick, what do you do first? Go to the doctor. What's the posture of your heart? Isaiah Okay, the prophet Isaiah, he was distressed that the people looked to weapons rather than to God. It's okay to go to those things, but we need to make sure first we're positioned to look up to the Father. Okay, so my first point was that uh, sighing caused Jesus to look to heaven. Okay, it was a reminder for him to look to heaven. Second is it's okay to sigh. Okay, it's okay to sigh. Because God gives his compassion to us, but we should not sigh in defeat. Okay? Are we all clear? We good still? Okay. If we're all good, then I'm going to go to my third point. (laughs) Third point. Most important point. Okay? If you guys take anything home with you, I hope you take this. Sighing is a gesture of prayer. Sighing is a gesture of prayer. I'll take it one step further. Sighing is a call to prayer. After Jesus sighed, what did he do? He prayed. He spoke. If you think about it, we actually do this often subconsciously. Does it sound familiar? God. I just... Lord, will you bless him? God, I pray for David. (laughs) We do it, don't we? It's biblical. Jesus does it too. 
But our signs, the problem is our signs have become signs of defeat rather than okay, signs that call us to God. Why do we have this sign naturally? What is that? Normally, when we come to God for something, it's, God, can you really open the doors to North Korea? It's normally something that's impossible, a situation that's impossible. And by our sigh, we're saying, God, I surrender. God, only you can do this. So, God, I'm asking, will you do this? But again, the problem is our signs have become signs of defeat rather than signs of surrender. Again, my second point was what? It's okay to sigh, right? It's okay to sigh, but the thing is it can't end at a sigh. Okay? Sigh is an emotion. Our emotions, we can have emotions. Emotions are good, but it can't end at emotion. Why? If it ends at emotion, what happens? That's when we get anxiety attacks. That's when we get overwhelming, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? After a sigh, we must open our mouths and pray. Healing, if we look back in our passage, healing took place not from the sigh. Healing didn't take place from Jesus putting his fingers in the guy's ear. Healing didn't take place when he spit and touched the guy's tongue. Healing didn't even take place when Jesus looked up to the Father. Healing took place by the authoritative word. When he said, be opened. And immediately, the guy's ears were opened and his tongue was loosened. God's response comes when we talk to him. Sometimes we as believers, we just keep on sighing. You'll be sighing and sighing. And I ask you, what's your situation this week? This is this is this. Next week, I ask you again, what are you sighing about? Same thing. Chances are is you just forgot to open up your mouth and speak. Not for all situations. Sometimes God calls us to wait, but I'm just saying sometimes that's the cause. You know, for me, when I wasn't a Christian, one of the most annoying things about Christians to me was their solution to everything. Just pray. It pissed. Is that a bad word? It is, huh? It got me really angry. (laughs) It got me really angry. I don't know why, because, you know, according to the world, praying is, is equivalent to meditation. It's equivalent to yoga. It's like going, doing something so that your mind can find peace but to me, in the, when I was in that worldly state, it was, it doesn't do anything, though. You can find peace in your mind, but then what does it do? You know, I would be like, I bombed a test last week. My friend would be like, just pray. I already bombed it. Like, wh- <laughs> what, what else do you need to pray about? You know, or I'm sick. And they're like, just pray. 
I'm sick. Like, go get me some medicine or something. Like, something, I needed something practical. And so to me, prayer was the dumbest thing on earth. It was so annoying, too, when they would present that solution to you. But why was it so annoying? Because I didn't have a relationship with God. I didn't know who they were praying to. You know, but as Christians, even while the world is looking at us as if we're fools, we know that when we open up our mouths and speak, there's an almighty, powerful God that is listening not only to our prayers, but to every sigh, to every cry. And that he is the one who's in control of everything. And he has the power to make the impossible possible. That's why our prayer is so powerful. And that's why we pray aloud. It's not just New Philly culture. It's not just Korean culture. But there's power in speaking out the word of God. You know, the enemy, he wants so bad to use fear to tie up your tongue. But as Christians, okay, as warriors, we are to make war on that. And we need to be not mute. Okay, we need to be spiritually not mute. We need to open up our mouths and we need to pray. After your sign, is it a period? Or is your next word, Lord? Hmm. You know, for me, uh, recently I've been dealing with this situation that just seems completely impossible. And that is the salvation of a loved one. Okay. I'm actually going to close soon, so I'm going to invite Susie to just get set up on the keys. But, you know, it's a situation with a loved one, and it looks completely impossible. Okay. And when God's heart burns within you for this loved one, it's just, it's, it's just really hard, okay? And so during this time where I was praying for this loved one, and actually she was able to visit me as well, and so she was in my room, all I could do was I couldn't pray. So I'm telling you guys to pray, but I'm not saying it's easy. That's a thing. It's not easy. Don't, def- don't beat yourselves up. It's not an easy thing to start praying. You know, all I could do during that time was just turn on a song. Okay, and that song is a song that actually our sister Susie sings quite well. And that's, God, I look to you. Right? And the lyrics, it goes like this. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see just like you do. God, I look to you. You are where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. Because you are the only one that knows what to do. And so I would just play this song over and over again because I wasn't able to pray. And so there's times when it's very difficult to pray. But when you sigh, when you catch yourself sighing, I want you guys to ask yourselves this. Am I still in a posture of looking up? Okay, or am I in a posture of looking down? Okay, does your sigh lead to anxiety or does your sigh lead to God? <laughs> does, it, does it urge you to pray or does it mute you with consternation or worry? 
Because when I look at this passage, okay, when Jesus sighed, after his sigh, not only was he, did he, was he able to speak up after, but he was even able to make a person that wasn't able to speak, speak. Do your signs cry out to God or do they cheer on the devil? Not only does God want to hear our prayers, but like I said, he wants to hear everything. He even hears our sighs. You know, as the devil's trying to intensify our signs, this is what God is trying to do. Okay, Isaiah 35, 10, the prophet Isaiah. You don't need to turn there. I'm going to read it to you, but this is what's promised to us. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. (laughs) You know, in a moment, I'm going to actually have you guys all posture yourselves in a position of looking up. It may be uncomfortable, but everyone's going to have their eyes closed. And the reason why is there's a reason why I had a three-point message. Even though I said the last point is really important, the first and the second point is really important too. Why? The first point, looking up is so important. Okay, especially when you're facing a situation that is so impossible that you can't pray. Looking up is so important. You know, recently there was a situation that caused me so much distress. I was out of my home. All I wanted to do was run home, not to have a pity party, but I just couldn't wait to run home and pray. But I couldn't pray. So right when I ran home, I didn't even put down my purse yet. I just immediately fell on my knees. And immediately, immediately when I fell on my knees, I felt God with his right hand pull me in. Pull me in. And he said, What's the matter? What's the matter? Tell me. And I just cried. And I just cried. I couldn't speak. But I knew inside that God knew what I wanted to say. You know, but as that situation becomes less impossible with his help, when we turn to him, okay, slowly we have to learn to speak as well. And so we're going to posture ourselves now. I want you guys all to just close your eyes. All of you guys, every single one of you guys, just close your eyes. Don't worry about anyone around you. No one is looking at you. No one is looking at you. And it may feel awkward, but I want you guys to tilt your chins up. I want you to look up because God's there. We always forget to look up, don't we? In our situation, what's causing my size is my grandma's salvation. What's causing your size? What's the impossible situation that you're facing? It can be big, it can be small. It can be big and it can be small. God cares about your situation more than you do. Just look up. I want everyone to close your eyes and I just want you to look up and listen to these lyrics as Susie sings.